Welcome back to Kafarcast, everybody. We are back from the wilderness, nature. I was in nature, not wilderness. I was kind of in the wilderness. The wilderness, <laughs> the wilds of Idaho. I was in the wilds of southern South Dakota. South Dakota yeah. and uh, eastern Colorado. Lots of Trump, uh, lots of hay bales with Trump uh, Trump signs on them out where I was at. Very Trump heavy. Yeah, same, same with Idaho. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, and eastern Colorado. But you go to Boulder. You go to CNN and they say Trump's losing. <laughs> yeah, no shit. You can't throw a hippie in Boulder without it running in and hitting a Subaru. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you were uh, you were in Idaho, and then I was um, I had a mule deer hunt in eastern Colorado, and then an antelope hunt with my wife, and then I drove to South Dakota, hiked sixty vertical miles in, and harvested a buffalo. Carried it out in one trip on my back in snow. Actually, I shot it right the by truck. the road. Yeah, we had to, there was a truck very close to. The buffalo. I think people, like I had asked people if I drew the tag and a lot of questions, and I it, it was basically like a two thousand by one thousand yard field with it wasn't high fence, but like a triple, just a barbed wire fence with a bunch of buffalo in it. Uh, there's nothing extreme about it, other than it did go a little squirrely once you shoot one. But I did it more. Well, I wanted the meat and the broadhead and the arrow penetration tests, which was good for that. Um, so the ultimate test. Yeah. It, uh, I, yeah, it was for, for a, you know, lighter arrow, not a crazy FOC. It zipped right through that buffalo. So, um, well, you just saw the video. Do you ever hit any of the ribs? Yeah. On the, uh, on every, cause I put four arrows in the lungs and, uh, no, three arrows in the lungs, one kind of straight through the front shoulder lungs and then one in the ass running and, uh. The the one that went in and out broke the onside rib and then went between them on the offside. So not really. Yeah, it wasn't bad. wasn't bad at all. Um, tell us about your hunt first. Yeah, so I went to uh, to Idaho with uh, Jordan. Kind of a yearly deal. We uh, picked up some general season uh, mule deer tags, and that started on the. Let's see. I think it started on Saturday. So that was. Did you pee by the truck? This motherfucker. <laughs> he, he peed by his truck. I'm like, hey, you son of a bitch. How come you can pee by your truck, but I can't? What'd he say? Uh, I don't sure, I'm not sure what his response was, but yeah, I wasn't allowed to pee near the truck or by the, we stayed in a wall tent. What do you call it if it's a pee-a-phobia? <laughs> You're in a phobia? You're a phobia. I don't understand it. I don't understand it, but uh, yeah, the, uh, <clears throat> I think the season started on Saturday the 10th, so um, mm-hmm. drove out there. Ended up not getting my tags in the mail somehow, or it was lost in the mail, or maybe I might have just thrown them away. I can't, I'm not sure, but had to uh, stop in the local office there and uh, had to get a reprint of the tags, which was a very, very simple and easy process. You just go in there and fill out a little bit of paperwork and they reprint your tags. So that was, that was nice. Um, seemed to be a, a lot less complicated than uh, the Colorado system, but um, yeah, worked out pretty good. Got out there on, on uh, Friday. And weather was nice. It was probably, uh, I don't know, in the 60s, 70s during the day and <clears throat> got there in the evening and it was kind of cooling off. And uh, they had mentioned that the opening day was supposed to be pretty nice. And then it was, we were going to get some rain in that evening. And um, yeah, that's what happened. So uh, we did stay in a wall tent, which was kind of a nice little change of pace, especially for rifle season. Uh, either a wall tent or a, one of our shelters, with, if you're backpacking with a stove, is kind of a... Um, a luxury and almost an, an for me I like almost a necessity just because 
I hate being cold when you get back to camp. So um, it's it's nice to have. So we cold is bad. Cold sucks, man. I I hate being cold, but it's part of hunting. So yeah, we got up uh, super early on on um, on opening day and uh, ended up hiking into uh, a couple of I guess you'd call them basins. It's not super high country. Uh, weird thing about Idaho for me is. Um, some of their mountains are like seven, 8,000 feet. And you think about that comparatively to Colorado and that's kind of like foothill country, but up there you're up in the mountains. So hiked into a couple basins, probably a couple miles. It's funny. We, we were hiking in the dark and this was kind of a newer spot to Jordan and he's using his on X maps and it's not updating right away because we're out of cell service. It was kind of like the offline mode and he looks at his map and he's like, Oh fuck, <laughs> we're in the wrong spot. I'm like, Oh, how bad is it? He's like a mile. <laughs> what <laughs> stupid ass. so we uh we laughed about it but we uh we ended up getting up so early and getting getting up there that we had a whole hour before sunlight so we ended up being able to hike the ridge back and um get into position for uh for sunrise so we um ended up glassing up uh, it was kind of a uh timber with patches of burn old old burn so it was pretty good for glassing so we got to a spot weather wasn't too bad first day started glassing up a ton of deer there was just a lot of deer in the area and some smaller bucks and we ended up splitting up mid-morning and um, Jordan found a pretty small four-pointer on on top of the ridge and I was looking into a basin and found a a big bodied three-point kind of had a almost had like a white tail rack with just a long curved main beam kind of wide and then we ended up finding a four-pointer with him and um Last year when I went hunting, I was trying to hold out for something big, and this year I wasn't going to be picky. So uh, I was like, dude, I'll shoot that three-pointer. It's got a big body. It's a mature deer. And he's like, nah, I think we can do better. <laughs> I'm like, you son of a bitch, don't do this to me. <laughs> I only got, finally had four days to hunt. So uh, we had uh, some meetings yesterday I had to be to, so um, I had to come back to work. So I only had a limited uh, limited amount of time. And um, But uh listened to Jordan and what we ended up passing on that deer and about 4 p.m. it started dumping on us with rain, and then that quickly turned into snow. Um, so after we uh, we moved on from that basin, we went back to his side-by-side -side and checked out some new spots and didn't really turn anything up that evening. And, man, it, it started dumping rain and snow. And um, I was happy to have the wall tent with the stove that night because it, it got cold and uh, woke up the next morning. We were kind of camped down what? low. Was it like like snain, like snow and rain? Sleetish, yeah, yeah. freezing I sleet and fucking um, hate snain, dude. Gnarly. <laughs> um, got up the next morning and it was raining down at camp, which I we were like, oh, must have got a little bit of snow up high. We go back to that same area the the next day. There was like six inches of snow. <laughs> that bad? Huh? It was gnarly. Yeah, so we uh, we ended up hiking back in, and it was all that blowdown and and uh, burn area and stuff. So trying to side hill and blowdown. It's like you're grinding, you're like Tony Hawk on fucking a rail or something, trying to <laughs> step over, stepping on logs, and you're slipping and sliding. Um, <laughs> it was funny. Jordan's like, he's like, does this look right to you? Because, you know, it's like, it like, looks different and when there's snow on the ground and it's still dark in the morning. I'm like, dude, I've never been here before. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that second day we, uh, we got to a pretty close where we were the first day and did some glassing, and we didn't really turn up much. I think everything was holding pretty tight in the timber um just because that storm was still still dumping snow but we did end up finding a a four-pointer which i later ended up shooting and it was it was funny because we're you know we hiked in several miles and we could see the trail the side-by-side -side trail from where we had uh we we're glassing and 
right above the trail, there was a four pointer right above it, like 300 yards above the trail. And you see all these side by sides and four wheelers cruising past it. No one's stopping to glass. And, uh, yeah, we're a long ways away. We end up seeing that buck. So we figured we'd keep that one as an option and hunt the rest of the day. And if nothing turned up, um, we'd end up going back after that deer. And that's what ended up happening. So, um, you know, we froze our butts off, uh, the rest of the day. And, um, man, I was happy to have, I always have the park with me, but it brought the pants. It's, it's like, it makes a huge difference. It's like wearing a sleeping bag. We were nice and toasty, except for my feet got a little bit cold. So we made a little fire and, and glass <laughs> and, uh, we ended up having a couple hunters walk up the ridge. We spot them from far away and they end up seeing where we were at and came up and shared the fire with us and dude was wearing blue jeans and a super old school guy had a savage i think model 99 lever action you know open yeah. sights and shit yeah <laughs> a cool dude talked to him for a bit but yeah didn't end up getting anything on the second day and you know it came down to the last couple of days and um saint it did dude i don't think it stopped snowing hardly or raining the whole time we were there and uh third morning woke up got up in the side-by-side drove up to a glassing point where we could glass from from his side-by-side and it was just dumping snow and it was blowing huge crazy gusts of wind and um we decided to, to go turn up that that deer that was above the trail and it was in the exact same spot and uh from from the trail to where it was it was like 500 yards those guys like i think i think I, i'd shoot him from here i'm like i don't think i got your your shooting skills so uh ended up hiking up i got most of this on on film too so maybe i'll make a little short video about it but ended up hiking up uh a drainage that was kind of parallel to where he was and end up getting like 150 yards from it and shot it with the old man bun caliber the 6.5 creedmoor and it went like 10 yards and died so it was a cool hunt we um it was just the weather kind of sucked but that's kind of i mean it's almost something that that helps in a way um get the deer up and moving and stuff so um saw quite a few bit a few deer and some some good ones uh that afternoon after we shot my deer we went back out and went to a different spot we ended up spotting two freaking really nice bucks one that had like six points on one side four on the other and then we had one just huge four by four typical um and those guys couldn't quite get on them close enough to get a shot uh we we're kind of glassing across canyon so it was a cool trip man i let it's a fun trip to go on every year and a good option for idaho seems to be a, a, a land of many opportunities as far as game numbers and also the cost of tags it's not too crazy expensive i think it's like 300 bucks for an out-of-state tag so if you're willing to, to drive up there and put in a little work i think it's a, a good tag to get i definitely wouldn't hunt colorado as an out-of-state i'll tell you that no i wouldn't either <laughs> you know it's funny uh because people ask about i mean obviously everybody you know i live in colorado but people ask like you know if i'm going to go on hunt x what state should i go in and it's a pretty common knowledge Colorado is piss pounded by hunters. Like, so whether or not you like it, if I say go hunt elk in Idaho, come out to Colorado, go ahead, see how you like it. 37 fucking vehicles, not one of them from Colorado at the trailhead, people everywhere. And then, oh, wait, muzzleloader season. It's right in the middle of elk season. Yay. So, yeah, I mean, come on out, everyone, but I can tell you right now you're going to get your ass handed to you. I mean, people do get, you know, get into elk, but, I mean, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana are also great areas to go. So Well, those guys asked me, like, what's the difference between Idaho and Colorado? And 
I think for me, what I noticed is Idaho is so vast and they have their, they have four wheeler trails and like 50 inch only trails. So your machine can't be wider than 50 inches to try to keep out the big machines. And, uh, Idaho is so vast, even though you have all these guys cruising the roads and stuff, when you get off the road and you hike, you're away from people in Idaho. It seems like, um, even though those guys, those guys get after it and there's a lot of people that'll, that'll put in a lot of work and hike way back there. It seems like you're never really right on top of somebody. And, uh, in Colorado, what I've noticed, especially during recent years in archery and then especially in, in rifle season is it's, it's pretty hard. It's pretty tough to get away from people unless you're deep, deep in the wilderness, which, you know, packing out a, an elk without a horse or a mule or a, I guess goats or a llama or some sort of stock in the backcountry is it's a lot of work. So yeah, what I've noticed is just the, the amount of land or the vastness of the land in, in Idaho seems to be pretty sweet. I've heard Montana's pretty badass, but this, the tags there are ridiculously expensive. You definitely want to get a hold of Ryan Avery, Rob Petuto, or Jordan Cower <laughs> for advice on Idaho. Yeah. Uh, Montana, I'll tell you right where to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. In Montana, uh, you could drop a J-Dam uh, in Bozeman right now and take out about half of the outdoor industry. So I, I would go ask those guys. Um uh, where to go. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, it was a, it was a cool hunt. Uh, definitely. Thank you to Jordan again for inviting me and his buddies were up there. They're freaking hilarious. Uh, his buddy Chase and his buddy Jason, we hunted with Jason last year and it was a good time. Um, their wives made a bunch of, uh, a bunch of dinners that were pre-cooked and we just threw them on the, on the stove there and, and had, uh, warm meals other than backpacking food, which was a nice change of pace. So yeah, overall it was, it was a good hunt had fun and wish I had more time to spend out there, but had to be back to work for a couple of days. Yeah. I came back, but I'm about to leave for a long time. <laughs> Can I fire myself? <laughs> Take a leave of absence. I, um, I, I, I made a post and I talked about the pool boy comes by the house a lot while I'm gone, but we don't have a pool. So Amy seems to be okay with me. Being gone. <laughs> <laughs> the pool boy. What did Luke say? Something on, on his podcast that you guys were on. He said something about that. He said, Oh, I stopped by. Kids weren't supposed to be there, so laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, yeah, well, um, yeah, what? <laughs> she she gets to go on a lot of hunts, and I'm not gone, you know, as as much as it probably seems like, but I am gone quite a bit. I'm about to go down and um, I got to help a guy on a goat hunt, and then um, I'm gonna go down and hunt mule deer and elk and whitetail. It sounds like in uh, some dad who knows what else but um the freezer's definitely getting full now after the the bison the buffalo whatever tatanka yeah that was interesting but i went on a mule deer hunt with alex for a, a coal buck um he let me go out there and hunt and then uh dudley was out there while we were there but uh you know my when I, the first night we were out there i got nine yards from um like 28 inch wide three by four that's Damn. a coal buck for alex and uh yeah, I was with Josh, and we're trying to see we can't find shit to throw that's any weight. And uh, we threw, like, a corn husk thing. It about landed on it, didn't even know, and it, the wind was pretty high. So we, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to go back, try to stand up, like, 150 yards back and just walk to where it'll stand. Anyway, it worked like a charm. Uh, it stood up, and all I could had a good shot of it was its neck and its head, but I had a window to, to sneak one in, and... I didn't do that good at sneaking. Um, I hit something, arrow rocketed over the top of it, and uh, that was the end of the first night. And then the next morning, we got on, uh, 
Well, I spotted Dudley's buck, and then um, we once they you know were on it. I guess that I didn't. You know what? I didn't hunt that day. I, I was glassing all day. So the day after that, uh, I went. We went out and um, I. Hard to explain because there's a lot of micro topography, but anyway, like 13 bucks went down this drainage. I hauled ass down to get ahead of them. I probably ran like you know maybe four or five hundred yards. You know how those drainages will go down into the bottoms. Anyway, hooked around and the deer didn't come out. So I'm trying to figure out where the hell they're at. And I did this huge loop and I I spotted them and uh, I hooked back around. And anyway, long story short, Josh is. I don't know, 150, 200 yards above me on the hood of the truck or the, the top trying to flag me in. It's so thick. He's, he's, I can see his <laughs> hand signs. He's like, you're, you know, between 30 and 40 from him because he's ranging them and me. And I can't see shit. I couldn't see you from here. And uh, anyway, I, I got close to him. I got within 15, 18 yards and I just couldn't see him. And uh, they walked off. And so I looped around back to the truck. We watched him come up and they, they bedded down like, I don't know, between 100 and 200 yards from the this dirt road. And uh, it, <laughs> it was just as thick as all the other crap, right? So Josh and I stopped, and uh, I'm like, dude, I'm just going to try to get in on him and, and, and just flag me in, right? And so I keep looking back, and he's he, and he gets – I'm right in. I can smell him. I can't <laughs> see shit. I mean, it's so thick. So I'm like, well, I should probably keep it in my pants if I'm this close and, and – uh, you know, just hope that they um, they stand up. And literally, blind luck, the one above, I could hear it moving around in its bed, like stood up, scratched out, bedded back down, probably 30 yards from me. And one, like, 9, 12, 15 yards in front of me, stood up. I didn't know it was there. Stands up and looks uphill at the buck moving, and I, I shot it. And <laughs> it was, you know, it was a four- or five-year-old deer. It was a cold buck. It ran like maybe 55, 60 yards. And and the other bucks, it's so thick, they didn't even get up. <laughs> um, so I look back. What the hell happened to Larry? Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, I look back and I, you know, did the, the neck like it's down. I made a good hit to, to Josh and I walked back to him. He's like, I got it marked. Fuck, he walked me back in there. I still was, it took me three or four minutes to find it. Um, it was so thick. And uh, so we got that taken care of. Um Luckily, we were able to get the truck fairly close, um, you know, to pick it up. And we went back, and then we helped Dudley the rest of the day. He was on a big buck. Um, and then I, I got out of there Friday, and then I had to do a bunch of work on Saturday. And then Sunday, I took Amy out. First time ever shooting a gun, rifle, ever. Ever? <laughs> so I've got that Viking armament 6.5, and so at the house— I'm going through all the safety shit. I'm having her dry fire it, you know, get used to the trigger. Talking about the scope, like, hey, if we're moving in and we're close, make sure it's down, you know, on low power. And uh, she's like, well, what about the ballistic turret? And, I, you know, me, I'm like, I have no fucking idea, honey. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I said, I, I don't have the, 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 the app for it. And I said, look, we're just going to get within two or 300 and shoot it. Okay. Cause I, I don't know the, the, I don't know how to dial this stuff in. It's not my thing. And I had a Mark five, um, with hash marks in it. And I, you know, I told her, I said, look, within 300, this thing's so fast, you can just aim right at it. Like, don't worry. So we get in on, uh, we call it the Afro buck. He had a hay stuck to his head, <laughs> um, or something. I tumbleweed, you couldn't miss him, right? He, he literally had this afro. So we spotted him, and he's a good buck. 
we got 254 and she shot right over the top and I screwed up because we had the bipod on it, but it wasn't tall enough. And I, and I should have brought my tripod or a trigger stick or something. And so she shot and it runs off and it, it, it actually, they, they start feeding again. They went three, 400 yards and we walked down and I'm like, okay, now <laughs> look, I'm going to keep the bolt back, but it's not going to, we're not going to have one upstairs. Okay. I said, so we're going to, when we get up there, we're going to have to put a bolt uh, a, a bullet um you know in the chamber so i'm just gonna leave the bolt back and we'll try and be quiet because when we come up over this hill it's, it's gonna be fairly close okay and i said you're, you're probably gonna have to shoot it offhand she's like what's offhand and i was like <laughs> okay so i i explained to her you know foot positioning and and you know to get balance and i said look i'm gonna dial her back to four you'll, you'll have plenty of field of view just hold it as steady as you can and uh she's like you know can I, she knows I can shoot offhand really well. She saw me shoot a buck down in Texas running. And I'm like, look, just breathe. Don't punch the trigger. You know, just squeeze the trigger. You'll be fine. Well, fuck, man, it was windy. She must have shot 50 feet in front of that thing, right? It was not an easy shot. So it runs off, and she thinks I'm mad because I went, I said, fuck, that thing's going to run a mile. Well, she now, you know, Amy, is. she feels horrible. I'm like, honey, don't don't <laughs> worry, right? We're good. So, we go up and we get another big one. Tips almost touched, bedded, and I dialed. Um, I, 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 no, I didn't dial. I told her where to aim at, and she shot right under it. And it was a, a big antelope. It had twenty does with it. And uh, man, my phone's going crazy today. And uh, so it bounces off, and we get on another one, and it's rutting the doe hard, like running. And she thinks at first it's running away, and I'm like, no, no, it's it's just chasing the doe. It runs back by us. And they're dumb, like they don't know what we are because we're just two lumps and some sagebrush, and it's walking by. I get the bipod up. I'm like, money, we're within 200 yards, drop it. I laid by, behind the scope. You couldn't see shit. <laughs> you couldn't even see the top of And I looked, I told her, I said, look, I fucked up. I should have brought the tripod, and you could have been on your knees. So that they, she takes, a, she gets a good shot, but it's offhand, and she shoots under it. And um, I'm like, hey, honey, don't you know, don't worry about it. I was like, look, these, these aren't the easiest shots. We won't take any more like that. We'll get a good rest. It just might take a few antelope. So we go probably 400 yards more away from the truck. And then she, once she missed was only 12 or 13 inches. And we go down and I'm like, Hey, we come over this rise. They're going to be 50, 60 yards from us. We're money. Well, we, when we dropped down, we lost sight of them. And when it started coming out, I looked to the right, there's another goat chasing a doe and i'm like man he must have chased her away. i didn't know at the time it was a different goat <laughs> so we come out of this draw and it's perfect you know where the rise comes up and i just laid her down right there i laid it the the gun down and i took my harness off and i i put the foreign on the harness and i dialed it to 16 and i could hold in like a four inch circle on the goat it was 425 and i'm like hey hold on i took my jacket off and i put it on the stock and i was like look just get comfortable this thing's dead. You're good. And I said, just squeeze and breathe. Don't, don't think anything more. Don't punch it. You're good. Cause that 6.5 doesn't kick. And she's like, are you sure you can, I can make this shot. And I'm like, look, just put the crosshairs high in the lungs. You're good. She heart shot it at 425, flipped Damn. it over. And, uh, I was more excited about that. So she shot and she, it flipped over and died. And she's like, did I hit it? And I'm like, I don't know where you hit it, but it's dead. Like it's <laughs> dead as shit. It died right there. So I was, um, you know, you get excited and you forget to tag it <laughs> or tag it when you get to the truck. I'm like, look, 
the, I'm taking the gun back to the truck. The, the antelope's dead. I say, it's going to take me 30 minutes to get to the truck. I said, you get up there, fill the fucking tag out immediately. And I said, because I'm horrible, I will forget to fill it out. And she, she, I explained to her, I said, it's technically, you get to the animal, if you don't fill out the tag, it's a ticket. And she was like, are they that, are they that sticklers? And I said, Fuck well, yeah. we, we don't want to find out, <laughs> so just fill out the fucking tag, okay? And so I walked back. She did, she did good. She got there, filled out the tag. I, I drove the truck around and drove it down to it, and I'm like, you know, I wasn't paying that much of attention. A goat just ran in front of me in the truck. I said, I think we're good. I'm happy we missed the last one. And I'm, she's like, why? I said, well, that thing was only 12, 13 inches. This one's way bigger. <laughs> and uh, I said, I think it's two goats, and sure shit it was. And so I got some pictures, uh, you know, of it and everything, and we, we got out of there, and um, I had some meetings to go to here, and I was supposed to go help Phelps. Well, you know, on the – when you get at the airport, they ask you if you've been around anyone sick or with COVID. Well, we've had three people. So I, I like a dip. I should have lied. I said, yes. Well, they took my thermometer thing and I failed it at Floyd's before. And I, I tested too hot. Well, I called Phelps. I said, Hey dude, I'm gonna have to fly out tomorrow. Well, then J, uh, James Pecker was like, dude, I wouldn't come. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, dude, you got two days of good weather. You're going to miss one. It's snowing up there. And so I've texted Phelps. I said, hey, dude, let me know if you're good. I'm going to go shoot a buffalo. <laughs> and he's like, he said, yeah, man, no worries. He had been with them. So Jerry Shaw, his parents own a, a buffalo ranch, uh, Photo Lab Studio. So I just wanted to test uh, arrow weight, broadhead penetration, you know, bow setup. Uh, and I wanted the meat because it's not like this crazy ass uh, hunt like I, I didn't want I want to make sure nobody nobody knew I thought I was portraying it as this backpack in we drove the truck up drove by it on the road we looked at all of them he was telling me which bulls are what size and what price and whatever and uh yeah it's just like a 2,000 yard squared field and uh we went out there and they weren't exactly keen on somebody walking up to them it took a minute and we got by them and then I shot, and I was at the top of the bottom third on my first shot, and it zipped right through it, which I was happy because um, I wasn't shooting that heavy of an arrow. Um, and I've been working with Cody Greenwood on some of these FOC, like extreme FOC broadhead tests. Anyway, um, shit got a little squirrely after that. The other bulls get a little pissed off when their buddy dies. They all covered <laughs> or hovered around it. And the first shot would have killed it, but I was like, well, let me test shoot, yeah, some more, yeah. shoot some more. So... I put a cutthroat, an iron will, and a three-blade cutthroat through it. And uh, and then I hit it once running at 70 um, right in the femoral. It was a hell of a shot. Nice. Um, and that thing bled like a stuck pig. And then I put one more arrow in it. It probably took 15 minutes for that thing to die with three to four arrows in its lung and one of the femoral. It was pretty crazy. Um, we got 635 pounds of meat out of it, though. So Can't imagine what the Native Americans used to have to go through. Especially before they had horses, trying to kill a damn buffalo with a spear and a fucking traditional or a primitive you know, stick bow, stick bow and flint napped up points, but must have been gnarly. But people asked a bunch of people asked. So I was shooting a 17 inch Satori riser, um, and then long Uka Urbis limbs. Uh, they're 55 pounders, so they're about 59 pounds at my draw. My arrow weighs like 568. Um, I had. Uh, four three-inch trad veins on the back and a nocturnal knock and a wrap, um, 100-grain iron wheel components and then a 200-grain broadhead. And uh, like I said, I'm shooting 
59 pounds. The arrow's going 192 feet a second. And I hit ribs on every shot. I never hit two ribs. I hit one rib either on the entrance or the exit. I got, well, you saw the one video, uh, just the veins were holding in on the, on the exit. Um, so good penetration. And, and uh, my FOC was like 19%, so not super crazy high. Um, so, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, I just took the meat over to the processor this morning. It's a shat load of meat. It was uh, 230 pounds of scrap meat. That's a huge bitch. Yeah. Oh, wait. I think we... That's a huge bitch! <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that's funny. You know, what I was wondering on the antelope thing is, from what I've always noticed, it always seems like to me that their actual rutting rut period or rutting harder, or maybe I'm wrong, but it always seems like it's more in October than September. Is that true? Yeah, I would agree. End of September, October. Because I was wondering why... Like, I get having archery antelope in the early season. You, know, you sit water and all that stuff. But, good Lord, trying to stock those bastards in the early part. Amy, I always felt like I could get close to closer to them in October <laughs> than I could in September. Amy, literally in the middle of this, she was like, how the fuck do you kill these with a bow? Ugh, and I was like, the worst. I said, honey, you remember when I said uh, this year when I shot one with the stick bow that uh, I wasn't going to hunt them anymore? <laughs> Except if that's uh, over water. So I got Because she, like... The one, you know, I told her, I said, like, this has a legitimate stock with a bow um, because you can get, we could get maybe 50 yards from where they were. And I said, if they're rutting, you just hope they, you know, they run by you. Get curious, um, yeah. Yeah. Get, so. get a territorial kind of. Yep. So I, she, it was a, it was cool for her to shoot one with a gun. So yeah, I, w- I was I happy. I love antelope hunting, man. It's fun. Even bot and stock archery is kind of a pain in the ass and super frustrating, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's not as much fun with a stick. I'm no. Um, yeah, I saw a guy this year when I was archery hunting. He was spot and stocking with a trad bow, and I was like, well, this poor bastard just donated the state about 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there's a lot of uh, truth to that. But, yeah, it was. Um, I was more excited she got that than when I got mine because she was pretty well, she was down because she'd missed a few. And did you see the winds? No, I didn't have had shitty. Oh, dude, like hurricane, like tumbleweeds, insane. And uh, luckily, what happened? I just stroked because we couldn't. Visibility was like forty yards, dust, dust. And yeah. uh, we found one valley that had no wind in it. All the cattle were in there too. And I was like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna find some antelope in here. They're gonna get out of the wind. And there was several groups of them, so it worked out good. The the mule deer was, I mean. Other than Alex making fun of me for the size of the deer, he's like, man, you shot a dink. And I'm like, well, you told me to shoot a coal buck. Fuck, man. Um, man, he's got some freaking monsters out there. That's mm-hmm. a, I think that's a good, if uh, if you've always wanted to hunt like Alberta or something, but you didn't want to go through the hassle of traveling internationally, I think that would be a good hunt as an alternative, Alex's yeah. place, because it's same pre- price. pretty similar and yeah. same price and some, and you, <laughs> I think, bigger bucks. Yeah. From what I've seen. Well, least. and there's there's big bucks in different places in Alberta. The thing with um like uh the traveling sucks with the weapons and everything else. So, you know, depending obviously where you're at, you can drive and you're gonna have good opportunities like um Dudley was on that buck three days in a row. I know they took a minute to find a big one and, and it was funny. I, I actually found it, but Alex is like drive over you know, drive up here and sit by these bales and glass and Fucking walk in front of my truck. They've been looking for it for three days. I called. I like called Alex right back. Yeah, I'm like, so hard about this. I'm like, dude, right I, I I got it. I said it's it's a five by seven or a, a seven by nine. I said I can't count all the stickers. I said Jesus. it's 
a good buck and he, you know how Alex is Snyder is it big <laughs> and I'm like looks to me like high 180s low 190s dude it's it's a good buck you sure and I'm like well fucking hold on I'll send you a picture <laughs> and he's like all right I'm getting them we're coming back and so they they came back over and then we stayed on it and he ended up shooting it I think at 23 yards oh, um he had a de- deflection the day before um whatever day that was I everything's kind of running together right now so yeah okay no but, but I'm gonna go down with well I'm gonna help um my buddy Brian on a goat hunt which uh frank's gonna come along and david on uh monday and then hopefully we get that done monday and then uh probably wednesday i'm gonna drive down and um hunt oklahoma and in north texas for mule deer and whitetail and i guess there's a spot down there they're gonna let me shoot a cow elk so in oklahoma that'd be badass yeah it'll be cool it's not uh i get a lot of questions about high fence I've never hunted high fence. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'll go whack something in high fence. I like to eat and I'm shooting and eating shit. So, but it's just a giant, giant ranch down there. And I guess I'd shoot a cow while I'm down there, which would be cool. I think high fence would be fun in like February, something around then. Nothing's going on, especially for somebody that wants to get a lot of maybe bow, bow hunting yeah. kill experience or something. People get their know. feelers hurt over the whole high fence thing in Texas or whatever, which I don't. I don't really give a shit, whatever. If you want to hunt high fence, by all means, go ahead. And if you want to, I, I just, um, you know, the way I look at it, um, I eat the meat. So whether, I mean, I'm not going to go hunt high fence and claim it's, you know, it's like this Buffalo hunt. It's not like I'm claiming it's something it's not. I, I wanted to test broadheads and arrows and eat the meat. People get pretty freaking Twitter pated over, you know, the bait thing. And I, you know, I get it, right? I mean, I I understand everybody's got their, you know, opinion, but um, I can tell you it's not a gimme hunting over bait. Um, Frank, you can attest to that. They don't they don't uh, they don't necessarily uh, dive right in. They're more cautious, actually. Uh, well, that big buck I shot, uh, that that one uh, witch hand, whatever they call it, the acorn looking buck. <laughs> there was no bait there. That one Dick came tips. in uh, just to my rattling and. Uh, you know, so I, whatever, hunt the way you want, but please leave me alone. Yeah, to each their own. Yeah, yeah. But the buffalo deal, I'm going to do that every year. That's, I mean, I like buffalo meat. That's a lot of meat. Hell yeah. yeah. It was like, um, it's, I don't know, it's between four and six grand, usually depending. So I like doing the math. Burger is like, what, eight, nine bucks a pound here sure, for bison? I, I think it's about what it it's is. It's expensive, yeah. Yeah, so you do the math. Let's figure this out. Um, I got my phone here, calculator, so we'll figure, uh, divided by 650, so, yeah, it's probably about, you know, depending, eight bucks a pound overall for what I paid, but the steak is a hell of a lot more than uh, the burger, and the burger's eight, nine bucks a pound. Let's see here, buffalo, let's just type that in, buffalo steak per pound price let's see here holy shit a buffalo a 10 ounce buffalo ribeye 124 dollars sweet jesus that can't be right hold on cost of buffalo meat i've never really seen a buffalo steak very often on the on the menu a lot of burger probably because it is maybe it is so expensive that Mm, so the cost of buffalo meat i'm scrolling down Uh, i see how healthy it is doing some math here uh yeah, it's pretty freaking expensive for uh per pound for man, there's it's all over the board as far as 
30 some dollars a pound or more. Wow. That's pretty expensive. 1350 per pound uh for bison to 2350. So, yeah, not too bad. And I got to shoot it, which was cool. Nice. Yeah, I might spear one next year. And I'm not just saying that to be funny. It'd be cool to spear one. Should learn how to ride a horse without a saddle and fucking go straight primitive on it. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Jerry Shaw was trying to get me to wear a loincloth. I told him I'd, <laughs> you know those new Kafaro hoodies? Yeah. I told him I'd wrap that around and put the Kafaro logo oh. right over my junk. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anything for content. I know. It is like that. Uh, you know, there was all kinds of crap popped up in the last few days from the Swarovski page. Uh, and um, uh, who who's supporting who? Did you see all that? I saw some people weren't happy with who they have as a spokesperson. Oh, good Lord, my fucking phone was going crazy. I'm like, guys, I don't know what you want me to do about it. It is what it is. And I had... Um, I don't even waste my time on caring about that stuff anymore. It's at one point, yeah, I was like, what the... But I mean, at some point, it's like, who cares? Who cares? I don't care. It's too much of a waste of energy and time to care about what company promotes what person. I think like, I just put, I can understand as um, if an outfitter or guide or a longtime Swarovski user has been putting animals on the ground year in and year out promoting the product, how it could irritate someone like that, um, especially if, you know, someone's getting paid and, and uh, you know, and doesn't have a lot of technical knowledge. Um, you know how much questions we get you know, answering, you know, literally hundreds of thousands of questions on optics, technical knowledge, you know, edge to edge clarity, chromatic aberration, you know, pin cushioning, what's going to be best low light. Um, and then all of a sudden you see someone they're promoting that's shot a couple grouse, but doesn't, um, <laughs> doesn't have a lot of technical knowledge or field experience. I'm not saying I don't give a shit, but I can see how that could irritate people. I think I've, I've become callous to it. Cause I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I see that. That sucks, but well, do what you're saying is exact. It's the norm. Yeah, right? it's like, oh well, I'm not surprised. It is disappointing, but yeah. you know, speaking of edge edge clarity, I've noticed. Um, I've been using the SFs uh, a lot. The Zeiss SF Victory uh, Victory, right? Is that the yeah? Called? The SFs a lot, and then took the RFs on this hunt because it's a rifle hunt, and uh, you know I got so used to using the SFs during archery season. And I switched over to the RFs, and you can tell just on the edges, it's not as clear and then there's like a in low light you can definitely tell the difference between the sf and the rf so it is a it is a compromise so i had a lot of people asking me like i wasn't telling the truth it's the coding but any an el in swarovski compared to an el range or sf compared to an rf in zeiss there's they're not the same quality ops it's yeah, why not. would you lie about that? <laughs> I have no idea. I think, you I think know. it was like uh, probably denial on the per the other person's part. But yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's very noticeable when you get so used to using one and then you switch to the other. Like, because I'm used to, you know, putting them on the tripod and I'll obviously look straight down the pipe on them, and then you kind of move your eyes and look around the edges, and then you move your you move your uh, move your or you move the uh, tripod to see the other angles. But when you're looking on the edges, um. Yeah, you could see it was a little bit distorted or not as clear. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's pretty pretty apparent. Say hello, Angie. Hello. <laughs> Angie has a question for me. Frank's going to have to take over. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, on the binos, yeah, like Aaron was saying, I mean, we don't really have a reason to lie. Um, but it's it's something to be aware of. I still I still like the binos. Um, they You can put your ballistic information in there. I kind of uh, 
You know, I mentioned earlier that the app, I think you may have to have internet service to access, but as long as you have your ballistic information in that specific, uh, for the Zeiss, I'm not sure how the Suaro stuff works, if they have ballistics or not, or the Leicas, but um, on this one, as long as you have that information input into your into your uh, app and then transferred over to the binos, it works really well for, for holdover and, and, and adjustment. But as far as the optic optics go yeah there is a there is a difference for sure i've been uh using those nl pures and uh they're badass the field of, so i got the 12s and the field of view is unbelievable um but i think i so i've got 10s coming and scotty wanted 12 so i'm gonna bring down my zeiss my slcs my um compare els and uh, nls and compare them all because we'll, we spend a lot of time behind glass down there so um be good comparison those nls are pretty nice you ever feel like uh you can have too much field of view one thing i noticed like jordan's using this little 65 vortex and i got the 95 out and obviously i'm seeing way more and clearer but way more and sometimes like i would see i would spot a deer first sometimes he would but sometimes like you know he's like looking in such a little tunnel that he's seeing stuff quicker than i am like yeah. you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> i i would say on the binoculars no but i can see on a spotter what you're talking about especially you know what i mean if you're not um if you're not be, if you're being lazy lazy yeah, yeah if you're not not looking through the entire objective and th there's a lot with the glassing stuff um you know like when we were like dudley was thousand yards from us and we were watching the buck bedded and him and then when the buck ran off um after he shot, this is when he had the deflection. You know, we're all trying to mark where the buck went. We didn't know if he hit it, where it bedded. And you know how it is out there. Like, there's all kinds of micro to part. They can hide in. And, you know, then you're you're zooming in and you got fucking heat waves, right? And then you, you can't see shit when you're dialed up. So then you're dialing back. And I'm trying to mark bushes. And I'm taking pictures trying to figure out where the fuck this deer's at. And the glassing thing, like, we ended up, when that buck ran off, we spotted three other bucks that were already bedded there. And we'd been looking there a while, and then, you know, you pick it apart and you have a reason to, then you realize how lazy you had been because you're like, well, shit, there's yeah. deer in there now, and we didn't even see them. Yeah. But, it's a definitely a game of discipline yeah. and fucking back pain. Yeah, there's a lot, like with glassing, um, you know, when, you, when you're really picking something apart and looking for tines and, Oh, it can be an epic life suck um, sitting there for that long. And the other thing, too, is, and Duplan brought this up, when you get a, a, a trophy-class animal spotted, do not fucking take your eyes off of it. Good Lord, they're just like Houdinis. Um, you know, even if you take your eyes off of it, but Frank's got hit, somebody's got to have their eyes on it all the time, or they just ghost you, and then you're screwed. Because, I mean, if you're looking for one, if you're hunting a deer, you're good. If you're hunting the deer, you don't want to take your eyes off the deer. The deer gets away quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that actually happened on the first day. I spotted that three-pointer, and my pad, I, like, stood up for a second. My pad flew off the little glassing point, so I went to grab it, go back up there, and I couldn't find that deer for, like, 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And it was, like, it wasn't very far from where I last saw him. It was just, <laughs> it was kind of behind some logs, and you could just see his antlers. I'm like, that little bastard. That's why he's bedding there. Yeah. Kind of. Anyway, yeah, that was cool. But Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for this podcast. We'll we'll have a full report on optics later on. Um, 
I guess go over probably I'll probably have Amy come down. I think it'd be funnier if she did the podcast on the whole antelope hunt. Yeah, that'd be she, fun. She gets nervous around me. We did we do have a hunt with uh, her and Riza with Lander in Alberta next year. And then um, I think she's bringing out John Pinch and uh, Amy and her are going to go on a antelope hunt, rifle antelope hunt. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. That'd be, be good cool. with John there because then we don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> yeah. Like anything you can see, he's going to die. Basically, yep. Yeah. So anyhow, all right, everyone. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Um, everybody, this will probably be already. This podcast is brought to you by. Buffalo. Uh, Gladiators Unleashed. Yes. <laughs> this is where he goes through his sponsors 20 times. Oh, yeah. And then he's hi- highly inebriated. Crib Tech. Crib Tech. <laughs> La- Lapold. Yeah. Saskatchewan. Lua, Lua Poles. Saskatchewan. <laughs> Kill uh, Cliff. Yeah. All right. Take Thanks. it easy. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>